What's up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I know it's been a while. I didn't intend on taking a vacation. I promise I didn't. It's just that I got busy with a lot of things pertaining to college. Had to write a lot of essays. Had to prepare for final exams. However, I have some good news. The good news is that it's summer break, which means that I don't have any schoolwork to worry about for the next three months, which means that I have no more excuses for why I can't make content for you guys. So on this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, we're going to be discussing former Florida Gators quarterback Emory Jones deciding to transfer to Arizona State. Is Carson Wentz good enough to lead the Washington Commanders to the postseason? Are the Miami Dolphins offseason moves enough to make them playoff contenders? And the New York Jets are building something special. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. My Instagram is at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel if you haven't already, which is JT Sports. According to reports, former Florida Gators quarterback Emory Jones has transferred to Arizona State. Emory Jones formerly was a four-star recruit, the fifth-ranked dual-threat quarterback in the 2018 recruiting class. He also was the 85th-ranked player nationally in that class as well. And when he came to Florida, he had a lot of high expectations. And before the start of last year's college football season, there were a lot of Gators fans who not only had high expectations for Emory, but many felt that he could be a dark horse Heisman contender, including myself. And boy, was I wrong about his performance last season. Like, I thought this guy was going to set the college football world on fire, and it didn't happen. He threw for 2,734 passing yards, 19 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, completed 64.7% of his passes. Like, Emory Jones was just wasted potential at Florida because if you're a Sun Devils fan and you're asking JT what player are we getting in Emory Jones well you're getting a player that has a lot of upside he has a good arm and he is a really good athlete as a matter of fact last season for Florida on the ground he ran for 759 rushing yards had four rushing touchdowns and averaged 5.3 yards per carry so anytime this guy decides to tuck the ball and run he's a threat to take it to the house at any time however He was inconsistent as a passer, and his inconsistency as a passer wasn't all his fault because Florida didn't really have the best team around Emory Jones, and let's not act like they did. I know there's going to be a couple of Florida Gators fans who are going to come on this video and be like, oh, JT, you're just making excuses for Emory Jones. Like, I'm not making excuses. Like, Emory Jones didn't play up to the level of expectations that many Gators fans had for him before the season started. But let's not act like Emory Jones was throwing to elite playmakers. Let's just call it what it is. Like, he had a couple of okay guys, but I mean, he didn't have a Kadarius Toney or Kyle Pitts like, you know, for say, Kyle Trask did. So, 
I feel like Emory Jones needed a fresh start. Like anytime there was an article that contained Emory Jones' name in it, there were nothing but hate comments from Florida fans. Like I think it's fair to say that Emory Jones may be the most hated person or one of the most hated players from the Florida Gators football program in recent memory because like I mean the guy is a very good person didn't really hear his name connected to anything negative off the field like people were just harping on this dude because he had a disappointing season and honestly like last season wasn't really that bad if you're looking at it from a statistical standpoint I mean 19 touchdowns to 13 receptions I mean, not really what you would expect out of somebody who kind of had the experience with the Florida football program. Like, the dude was with Florida since 2018. So, yeah, 2018, 2019, 2020. So, you come in 2021 with the expectation that, yeah, although he didn't have a lot of experience starting and playing, like, you would hope that, you know, he would have a good knowledge of the playbook and the office that he could come in and look poised you know and that never really happened he didn't really look prepared in certain instances he had some throws well not even some he had a lot of throws that he would make and you would say like what are you doing like why would you throw that there and you also had you know Dan Mullen going back and forth between him and AR15 Anthony Richardson which also didn't really help him because I mean how can you really get into a rhythm if you have your head coach taking you out the game every other play for the other quarterback like you can't establish a rhythm you can't establish chemistry that way you can't you can't get the timing down with your wide receiver so a lot of people are going to you know um criticize Emory Jones saying that he sucks he's not good but if you're a Sun Devils fan like he has a lot of potential he has a lot of upside and if you are going to ask me do you think he's an upgrade from Jaden Daniels I don't really know I'm just be honest like it's just one of those things that you have to wait and see but for Emory Jones like I think this is what he needed. He needed a change of scenery. He needed a fresh start. And Arizona State is a fresh start because he probably is going to be the favorite to start because Paul Tyson and the other quarterbacks that they have on the roster don't really have a lot of experience. And if you were to ask the consensus of Pac-12 fans who follow the Pac-12 conference heavily, many of them most likely would say that Arizona State prior to this move had the worst quarterback room in the conference. Now, I don't know how much this move of Emory Jones transferring to Arizona State changes people's outlook on how they view Arizona State. But you look at Emory Jones, like the potential's there. All he really needs is for the right coach to come along and put everything together. And we've seen plenty of instances of players not really working out at other programs, getting a fresh start, and balling. And with Arizona State, you know, like, this is a pretty good situation for Emory Jones because, like, he's going to be in a position where the starting job is pretty easy to win. I'm not going to say it's going to be a give me. He is going to have to win it out outright 
and he's going to have to do it in a short amount of time because he pretty much missed the majority of, well, all the spring for Arizona State. So he's going to have to come in on a short notice, learn the playbook, get the chemistry and timing down with his teammates fast enough that he can start week one. But if you're a Sun Devils fan, like, I don't see no reason why you shouldn't be excited about this. Like, yeah, Gators fans are probably going to, you know, talk Emory Jones down. But, I mean, you have somebody who is a new face in the program. You have somebody who is super talented, does possess the ability to end up becoming one of the best quarterbacks in this sport. However, you just have to wonder if your coaching staff is going to be good enough to put all of the talent that he has together. And on top of that, Arizona State's team as a whole, like, it's not really that great. Like last year, the wide receiving core dropped a lot of passes. They struggled getting off the line. They didn't really create a lot of separation. So you wonder how much the wide receiving core is going to be improved going into this season compared to last season. On top of that, you lost a really talented duo of running backs, one to the draft, one who ended up transferring. So for Arizona State, they have a lot of questions. And one of those questions is the quarterback position. However, if you are an Arizona State fan, you're hoping that Emory Jones can come in and provide you with some stability at the quarterback position and some pretty good play, which I think that Emory Jones is more than capable of doing. It just really depends on if this Sun Devils coaching staff can get the most out of the talent that Emory Jones has. So let me know what you guys think about this move down in the comment section down below if you are watching this on YouTube. Early this offseason, the Washington Commanders decided to trade for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz had a pretty solid season last year with the Indianapolis Colts. He threw 27 touchdowns, only threw seven interceptions, completed 62.4% of his passes, threw for 3,563 passing yards. So, when he got traded from Indianapolis, like, I was really surprised. And when the trading rumors were coming out, like, I didn't believe him at all. Like, I just thought he was just a bunch of off-season noise. I thought that he was going to remain the quarterback for Indianapolis. But, however, it seems like those reports were true. Now, it seems like the trade of Carson Wentz to Washington wasn't solely motivated off his play. Like, yeah, he had some bad games. He had a really bad game against Jacksonville, which pretty much cost them a spot in the postseason. However, like, Carson Wentz was solid for Indianapolis. And Carson Wentz is still a solid quarterback. Now, is he the quarterback that he used to be when he was in his MVP form with the Philadelphia Eagles? No, he's not. But if you have a solid team around Carson Wentz, he can get you to the playoffs. Like, Washington has Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and then you recently used your first-round selection this past year's draft on Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson. So you have a pretty solid group of wide receivers. You also have some pretty good depth behind those guys as well. Let's not also forget that you have Antonio Gibson in the backfield at running back and you do have tight end Logan Thomas in Washington. I don't know how many of you guys knew this, but did you know that Washington had a top 10 offensive line last year? Yes, according to PFF and a couple of other websites that I was reading, a lot of them have Washington graded as having a top 10 offensive line. Now, of course, you know, we don't know if 
their performance last season is going to translate to this season because every year is a new year. Teams could either get worse or get better at certain positions. So we don't really know if the offensive line is going to continue the level of play that they had last season into this season. However, I do think that, you know, the offensive line, at least looking at it on paper, it should be pretty good. Now, will it be as good as what it was last season? Maybe not because you did lose one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL and Brandon Sheriff, who ended up signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars in free agency. But the offensive line for Washington on paper looks like it should be pretty solid. So for Carson Wentz, I mean, like, the pieces are there. You probably could make the argument and say that Carson Wentz has more to work with in Washington compared to what he had to work with last year in Indianapolis. Because outside of Jonathan Taylor, I mean, the Colts didn't really have that many playmakers on offense outside of Michael Pittman, like the wide receiving core wasn't that great talent wise. So, I mean, like if you're Carson Wentz, like this kind of is an upgrade in a sense, in terms of the talent, like you're going to a team that really only had about two solid players and, you know, Michael Pittman. And then you did have, you know, Jonathan Taylor who ended up breaking out, and becoming an MVP candidate. But outside of those two guys, like there wasn't really that much for Carson Wentz to work with with the Colts. So he's going to a team in Washington that has a lot of depth at wide receiver, a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of football. And the Commanders went 7-10 last season. This team, if they had, you know, some stability at quarterback, they probably could have snuck into the playoffs as a seven seed over Philadelphia. Because if you can go seven and ten with the quarterback issues that Washington had, imagine what they can do with at least an average starter at quarterback. So you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be the starting quarterback for Washington. However, he got injured really, really early, so that knocked him out. Then they ended up having to put in Taylor Heineke, which some Washington fans felt like he could end up being the quarterback of the future for the franchise because you look at how he performed in their playoff game against the Tempe Buccaneers. Even though they lost that game, he was one of the main headlines or one of the main takeaways from that game and some Washington fans felt like you know maybe he could have a little bit of upside to be a solid starter well we saw Taylor Heineke that fizzled out and then they ended up drafting Sam Howell in this past year's NFL draft but I really feel like for Carson Wentz like unless something catastrophic happens and he just completely just falls apart like I don't see no reason why Carson Wentz shouldn't continue to put up solid numbers. As a matter of fact, like he probably could put up better numbers this season than what he did last season, because you got to remember that Indianapolis was primarily a running football team. So they put a lot of emphasis on running the football. Meanwhile, him going to Washington, I feel like there's going to be a little bit more balance. I feel like we're going to see him throw the football a lot more. And Ron Rivera isn't looking for elite quarterback play. Like, he would love to have elite quarterback play. Don't get me wrong. Don't misinterpret that. Like, any coach would love to have great quarterback play. However, Ron Rivera is somebody who puts a lot of emphasis on his defense. If you ask him who would he rather have on the field to win the game for him, his offense or his defense, he probably would say his defense because he's a defensive-minded coach. So 
it, it just kind of makes common sense why he would favor the defense. So for him, you know, all he really needs is for Carson Wentz to play like how he did last year for Indianapolis, and that probably could be good enough for him. Now, you know, I don't mean like play like how you did against Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean like just play like the Carson Wentz that we've seen in the past, not the one that has been broken down like the one that we saw his last year in Philadelphia. Like Carson Wentz is a solid quarterback. Like – I don't understand how some people view this move as Washington getting worse. Like, if you don't feel like Washington upgraded that quarterback, and if you don't feel like this move doesn't at least make Washington at least a slightly better team this season than what they did, than what they were last season, then I don't really know what to tell you. I don't know if you're a hater or if you just don't really follow the sport all that closely and you just lock into what people say in the media because, like, I don't really see what a lot of people are harping against Carson Wentz about. Like, I understand the leadership and the character concerns, but on the field, like, this dude is solid. Like, he's good enough to get you to the postseason. As a matter of fact, I would trade for Carson Wentz before I trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. And as a Steeler fan, you know, before we ended up drafting Kenny Pickett and signing Mitch Trubisky, you know, like, there were a lot of rumors circulating around that we could end up trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo. As a matter of fact... I wanted Carson Wentz. Like, I would be okay with Carson Wentz as a starting quarterback in Pittsburgh if we weren't able to get Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or whatnot. So, like, Carson Wentz is a solid quarterback. I don't know why people are trying to make Washington out to be, like, a worser team now than what they were last year of Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz is not bad. Like, I don't really understand why people keep trying to push this narrative. Is he elite? No, he's not. Is he even good? Probably, it depends on who you ask, but I feel like Carson Wentz is a solid starter. Like, he's a top 14, top 18 QB, and you can win with Carson Wentz. However, can he be the guy to take you to the Super Bowl? Probably a question for another day. Maybe not. But overall, if you're looking for stability and you're looking for consistency, you know, like, I think Carson Wentz probably is your best option if you are Washington, and on top of that, like, if you are somebody who doesn't feel like Carson Wentz is good enough to lead the Washington Commanders to the playoffs, then who is? Like, out of all of the quarterbacks who were available in the trade market, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, like, who had the best chance of, you know, improving Washington's odds of making it to the postseason? Carson Wentz. And we're not including Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson because Washington wasn't close to getting those guys. They weren't close to getting Aaron Rodgers. So when you look at, you know, the Carson Wentz trade, like it just made sense. Like you couldn't get Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers wasn't getting traded. Carson Wentz was like your next best option. So, like, I really don't understand why people are trying to knock Washington for the move. I just feel like a lot of people are just going with whatever people are saying in the national media. A lot of people in the national media aren't really big fans of Carson Wentz. A lot of people continue to attack Carson Wentz personally. But, I mean, I don't really know the dude as a person, so I can't speak for what he does in the locker room, his leadership skills and not. All I know is that I look at Carson Wentz last season, and I felt like he played pretty good like as a matter of fact I mean like he had a bounce back year because you compare last season to his previous season in Philadelphia like it's night and day so 
I don't know, like, maybe I'm being overly optimistic about Carson Wentz, maybe, you know, like, I'm not diving deeper into what happened with the situation between him and Indianapolis, I kind of got a good idea of it, but of course, it's more stuff that probably took place behind the scenes that has been reported, but I mean, like, you look at Carson Wentz last season, I saw a solid quarterback, I saw a quarterback that was good enough to get, you know, a team to the postseason, he almost got Indianapolis to the postseason, now, you know, maybe if Indianapolis had, you know, a couple of more pieces around them, you know, maybe he doesn't stink it up against Jacksonville. But we would never know because these are just speculations. It's what if. But based off last season, I feel like if Carson Wentz plays the same way he did, minus the Jacksonville game, Washington most definitely should find themselves in the playoffs. And I would be kind of surprised if Carson Wentz wasn't good enough to at least get Washington to nine or eight wins. Like, if Washington ends up having less than seven wins this season, like, I would be shocked. So, you guys let me know how you guys feel about Carson Wentz. Do you guys feel like Carson Wentz is good enough to get the Washington Commanders to the postseason? Can Carson Wentz command this team to the playoffs? Let me know. Because I kind of feel like a lot of people are just hating on Carson Wentz just because it seems like the popular thing to do. But if you actually go back and you watch a good amount of the Indianapolis games, like he wasn't that bad. And everybody has bad games. Like every quarterback last season outside of Aaron Rodgers was inconsistent. Every quarterback last season had ups and downs. Josh Allen had ups and downs. Tom Brady had ups and downs. Matthew Stafford had ups and downs. Like, Every good quarterback has their ups and downs. And we saw more great quarterbacks last season have more inconsistencies than ever. So, I mean, like, I just feel like if you don't think that Carson Wentz makes Washington a better football team, I kind of just don't really know what to tell you. Because, I mean, the talent's there. And on top of that, the supporting cast is there. He has a better supporting cast in Washington than what he had in Indianapolis. So, I just, I'm just not really seeing why people aren't liking Carson Wentz in Washington. Like, I think that this is going to work, and I would be surprised if Washington ends up winning less games this season with Carson Wentz at the helm than what they did last season. Because, I mean, like, Washington probably lost about two or three games due to quarterback play. And even if they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, maybe they could have won those two, three games and maybe things would have changed. Maybe they could have won the division. Maybe they would have made it to the postseason. But with Carson Wentz, you're getting somebody who has good athleticism. He can extend plays. He can move around. He has some mobility. He has a really good arm. It's just that sometimes he can play really bad at the wrong moment. But You know, overall, if you're a Commanders fan, I think that Carson Wentz is going to do some good things for your franchise, and I definitely feel like you do have a legit chance of making it to the postseason this year as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy. So the other day, I was riding in the car with one of my friends, and I asked him to tell me some of the biggest storylines that he has so far this offseason as we pass the NFL draft and we get to the quiet stages of the offseason. You know, what were some big headlines? And one thing that he said, he said, you know, JT, I'm be honest. 
are the Miami Dolphins offseason moves enough to make them playoff contenders? And I think that this is a very good question because like when you look at the AFC, like the AFC is stacked. Like it's a juggernaut. Like you have talent everywhere. You have great quarterbacks everywhere. You have great teams everywhere. Like it's really hard to, you know, try to figure out what teams are going to be in that playoff conversation, what teams are going to be fighting for one of the last remaining spots in the AFC for that six or seven spot, and which team is going to be on the outside looking in, because if we're being honest, like, there's going to be plenty of good teams this year in the AFC that end up missing out on the postseason, and not because they were bad football teams, but just because, like, they were, like, not able to get in over the seven other great ones. So you look at Miami, where do they lie? Because initially, this is a playoff team. Like the offensive line has been improved drastically. You bring in Teron Armstead, one of the few elite left tackles that we have in the game. Like Teron Armstead himself pretty much just, gave the Miami Dolphins two wins. You may be saying, JT, like, how can one player automatically just give a team two wins? Well, you got to look at the value of certain positions. You know, left tackle is very hard to find an elite player at, which is why Trent Williams, at his age, is making the money that he's making. And he's one of the best, not only left tackles in the game, but one of the best football players that we have in the league. When you look at Teron Armstead, He's in that same discussion. He's one of the best left tackles in the NFL over the last couple of years. And he's one of the few elite left tackles that we have in this game. So that is a tremendous signing for the Miami Dolphins. That's drastically going to improve the offensive line. And that leads to two wins. Because if you have an elite left tackle, that means you have somebody who's going to be able to, you know, hold their own against some of the elite pass rushers in the league. Then you sign off the guard Connor Williams, which... Don't really know how it's going to play out because, I mean, Connor Williams was solid. However, he does have a, a issue of holding a lot. So don't know if that's going to be addressed or whatnot. But, I mean, he's better than what the Dolphins had starting at offensive guard last season. Then you signed wide receiver Cedric Wilson, which I love this signing because Cedric Wilson was probably one of the more underrated wide receivers in free agency that not too many people were talking about. And Cedric Wilson has the upside to be a fringe wide receiver one or a really good wide receiver two. All he really needs is the opportunity. He didn't really get those opportunities of being a wide receiver two in Dallas because he got overshadowed by, you know, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. And it's weird because he's going to the Miami Dolphins where he's going to be overshadowed by Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, which is another addition that we got to talk about. The additional trading for Tyreek Hill, they gave up the fan to get him. But Tyreek Hill, like this dude is also somebody who can equate to two or maybe three wins like Tyreek Hill by himself may be able to win you a couple of games like he won a handful of games for Kansas City during his time with the Chiefs so with the Miami Dolphins adding Tyreek Hill you have the fastest wide receiving core in the NFL with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill like how are you going to defend it how, how are you going to defend it like are you telling me you really trust your favorite team not talking about Dolphins fans, but you really trust your favorite team to be able to play man coverage all game with two of the fastest wide receivers in the league? Yeah, good luck with that. Play 
Playing man on playing man to man coverage with Tyreek Hill is already deadly enough. But then you're gonna try to do with Jalen Waddle. Yeah, like I don't really know how people are gonna plan on slowing down these wide receivers. The only way you can really slow down these wide receivers is if Tua Tarvaloa isn't able to get them the ball. And really, you know, we're asking ourselves, are these offseason moves enough to make the Miami Dolphins playoff contenders? Really, that's not really what the question should be. Really, the question should be is, can Tua get Miami to the postseason? Because Tua has a lot to prove this year. You know, you finally have a coach that wants to coach you. You know, Brian Flores, for some reason, didn't like Tua. He didn't want Tua. But yet, the Dolphins drafted him anyway. And Brian Flores was stuck with a quarterback who he didn't want. So now with Mike McDaniels, you have a head coach who seems pretty excited to work with Tua Tagovailoa. Now you bring in Teddy Bridgewater. So if Tua does get hurt or he ends up not really playing that well, you have somebody who can come in and be serviceable. So on the defense side of the football, you draft linebacker Jamie Tittle out of the University of Georgia in round three. And I like him a lot. Like, I think he was probably one of the five best linebackers coming out of this draft class. And I think that he's going to have immediate impact if he is able to start day one for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins also, you know, extended or redid the contract of Xavier Howard. They also got a deal done with tight end Mike Kosecki and Emmanuel Ogba. Like, Emmanuel Ogba is going to be a really big piece of that Miami Dolphins defense. Like, he's been probably their most productive pass rusher that they have had. You're also going to have Jalen Phillips going into year two. Interesting in seeing what he does. But when you look at the Miami Dolphins roster as a whole, and you look at their offseason moves, like their offseason moves should equate to them making the postseason. As a matter of fact, they're the second best team in the AFC East. And, you know, the talent gap between the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, like, you know, it, it's big, but it's not, you know, super big. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Miami Dolphins split the series between the Buffalo Bills this season. Because, like, you have two really good cornerbacks on the outside. You have a pretty solid group of linebackers. And the pass rush hopefully should be even better this season if Jalen Phillips is able to break out going into his second season as a pro. So, I mean, the Dolphins overall, like, with the addition of Tyreek Hill to Ron Armstead, like, this offense and this team should be a playoff team. I don't see no reason why you shouldn't view the Miami Dolphins as playoff contenders. You should at least view them as a team that's more than capable of being able to at least get the sixth or the seventh seed in the AFC. But... I know there are a lot of people who have their questions about Tua. And also, what about the running game? I mean, you signed running backs Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, which Raheem Mostert has, you know, spent time with the 49ers. So I'm taking that he knows the offense pretty well. And he knows what Mike McDaniels is going to be doing and what he's looking for when it comes from the running back position. But I feel like Chase Edmonds is being kind of underlooked because in Arizona, like, if it wasn't for James Conner having the kind of season that he had, Chase Edmonds probably would have had a breakout season. So you look at Chase Edmonds, he's really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. You look at the speed of Raheem Morris and the acceleration that he has, one of the fastest running backs in the league. You're going to have a pretty good one-two punch at running back. Also can't forget 
about fullback Alex Ingold, who they also signed. One of the best fullbacks that we have in the game, which we're going to be seeing the Dolphins probably running a lot of stuff out of the I formation. They're going to be using the fullback there. So it's going to be a lot of power running as well. But I just look at the moves that the Dolphins make. And it's like, if you don't see them as a playoff contender, then like, are you just somebody who just doesn't believe in Tua? Or are you just a New York Jets fan, a Bills fan, or a New England Patriots fan? Because the moves that they that they made this offseason are definitely more than enough to get them into the playoffs. It really all now just depends on Tua Tagovailoa. Is he going to be able to make the most of the pieces that he has around him? Okay, and for the division, I mean, like, I don't really feel like the Patriots right now are as good as what the Dolphins are from a talent standpoint. But we already know that you never judge the Patriots based off talent. You base them based off, you know, other things like their coaching and whatnot. But for the Dolphins, man, like, I just feel like everything is there. It all really just depends on Tua Tavaloa. And I feel, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Dolphins get into the playoffs. I'm not going to say if they will or would not. I'm going to save that for a different video. But I have a pretty good feeling that the Dolphins are more than likely going to be in playoff contention. I'm willing to bet a lot of money. So if you're somebody who doesn't feel like the Dolphins are going to be in playoff contention, you don't think the Dolphins can win at least eight, nine games? I don't really know, man. Hit me up if you want to put some money down on that. But overall, like, you look at the addition of Tyreek Hill to Ron Armstead, like, those are just two huge additions in themselves, and they're so huge because, like, you pretty much have a combined four wins signing those two players because of how effective of a left tackle Teron Armstead is, like how dynamic of a receiver Tyreek Hill is, like you have to account for him anywhere he lines up, anytime he gets the ball, he can take it to the house, punt returns, kick returns, screens, slants, he can beat you, throwing the football downfield, like you look at Jalen Waddle, you look at Mike Kosecki, like this offense it's going to be really fun to watch this year. So you guys let me know. Do you guys think that the Miami Dolphins are playoff contenders? Let me know down in the comment section down below. The New York Jets, man, you got to give them a lot of credit. Like general manager Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, they're building a monster. Like the Jets dominated the offseason free agency they signed offensive guard Lakin Tomlinson who played under Mike LaFleur when he was in San Francisco he's one of the best offensive interior offensive linemen in the game he was one of the best offensive guards available in free agency the Jets improve their offensive line now you pair Lincoln Tomlinson up with Elijah Vera Tucker George Fan, Makai Becton the Jets offensive line is going to be really solid this year okay then you get more weapons for Zach Wilson you draft Garrett Wilson in this past year's NFL draft you still do have Corey Davis who is a really productive wide receiver when he's able to stay on the field you have Elijah Moore who is expected to have a breakout season let's not forget about Denzel Mims like did we forget about Denzel Mims what happened to Denzel Mims haven't really heard anything about him like the Jets drafted him out of Baylor a couple years ago and it's like, we haven't really heard anything about them. But the Jets do have some pretty solid depth at wide receiver as well. Then at tight end, you sign 
CJ Uzama, who was a very critical part of that Bengals offense, regardless of what the stats say, you know, he was Joe Burrow's safety blanket at times. He has pretty reliable hands. So for Zach Wilson, if you're looking for a sure-handed target to throw the football, to move the chains on third downs, CJ Uzama is your guy. So for the New York Jets, man, like, They basically said, hey, Zach Wilson, like, no more excuses. We need to see some big things out of you this year. Like, the wide receiving core is going to be there. We got you a true number one in Garrett Wilson, even though, you know, Elijah Moore could have became your true number one. Now you have, you know, two good potential true number one wide receivers in Elijah Moore and um, Garrett Wilson, right? So you have your wide receiver position taken care of. Now you improve the offensive line. But what about running back? Well, you already had Michael Carter. So what do you do to bolster the running back room even more? Oh, you drive Brees Hall, the best running back in this year's this past year's draft class. So the draft that the Jets had was so great that I saw one um insider compare it to the draft that the New Orleans Saints had back in what 2018 20 I think it was 2018 I'm trying to remember what year it was I think it was 2017 that was the draft where they drafted Ryan Ramsick they also drafted in the first round Marshawn Lattimore they also got Marcus Williams like they had a really good draft and there was a you know an insider that said that he believes that the Jets draft this past year is just as good as that 2017 draft class that the New Orleans Saints had and that that draft class that they had was ridiculous so you look at what you know, the key players that the Jets got from this past year's draft, you got Sauce Gardner, arguably the best cornerback in the class, depending on who you ask. Then you get Garrett Wilson, the best receiver in the draft, depending on who you ask. Then you were able to get Jermaine Johnson, which I don't know how the heck he fell to late in the first round because he should have been gone off the board by the 15th pick. So, like, you got another still. So, you got three high-level players, three potential all-pro players who are drastically going to change your franchise if you're able to, you know, develop them properly and put them in the proper roles that they need to be in to succeed and break out then on defense you know the defense still is a work in progress but you know this defense has definitely came a long way compared to what it was last season like you have Carl Lawson who's going to be coming back fully healthy you got rookie Jermaine Johnson who could right off the bat have eight sacks you're going to have Quentin Williams in the contract year, CJ Mosley still pretty good. Then you have Ashton Davis, who I like a lot. I'm really excited about him. I think he could end up having a breakout season for the Jets defense. So, I mean, like, the Jets are building a monster. And this video isn't really about what the Jets are going to do this season. It's more about looking forward to the future. You know, like, If everybody ends up playing up to their potential, the Jets within, you know, two, three more years could be Super Bowl contenders. And I know that's something that may sound really crazy to a lot of you guys, but I mean, like, you look at how much the Jets have been able to 
obtain when it comes to draft capital. So it's going to be really interesting seeing how many of these players are going to hit. Because Joe Douglas right now has done a pretty good job of not only managing the New York Jets when it comes to what they do in free agency, but also making sure that they're able to get the most out of their draft picks. Like, he's making pretty good draft picks. So, like, Joe Douglas, like, he deserves, like, a quiet round of applause for the job that he's done with the New York Jets. He pretty much has given Zach Wilson everything that he needs to be successful so now it all comes down to the coaching staff and the offensive coordinator and Mike LaFleur being able to put Zach Wilson in better situations than what he did last year and it also you know comes down to you know Zach Wilson it's going to come down to is he going to be better when it comes to making decisions with the football is he going to take smarter more calculated risk it's okay to take risk however you got to take smart risk you don't want to take risks that are going to leave you broke with nothing so the Jets are a team to look out for and like I said this team may not be great this season but however within the next two to three years this this franchise could surprise a lot of people because they've been stacking talent and teams that do stack talent it eventually starts to show like the Cleveland Browns, they were stacking talent for years, and eventually it all started to come around. So you look at the Jets, even if Robert Sala and this current regime that they have don't work out, whoever ends up becoming the next GM or head coach, if those guys end up getting fired, you know, they're going to be in a situation where you have one of the most talented young rosters in a league that all they really need is the right coach to bring everybody together. So for Robert Sala, man, like... I'm really intrigued in seeing how the New York Jets perform, not only this season, but in the next two, three years. Because if everybody ends up hitting and playing up to the level of potential that everybody saw in them when they were drafted, and on top of that, these free agent acquisitions work out, which I believe that they will, the New York Jets are going to be a really scary football team in the next couple of years. And they can be really scary this season, like... They could be a team that's going under the radar that a lot of people may be sleeping on because, I mean, if Zach Wilson ends up taking that next step and that big next step, like, the Jets could definitely find themselves in one of the final spots, either the 6th or 7th seed, or at least competing for one of those final spots in the AFC playoff race come week 17 or the final weeks of the regular season. So I definitely feel like when you look at this Jets team right now, they are doing things the right way. They are building around their young quarterback. They're not just drive. They didn't just drive Zach Wilson and say, you know what, we're going to draft you and we're just going to, we're just going to make you do everything everything by yourself we're not going to give you no help we're not going to draft no wide receivers for you we're not going to sign no offensive alignment in free agency for you like literally that's what the new york jets kind of did when they drafted sam Darnold. they kind of just say you know what we're going to draft sam Darnold, and we feel we're we're we feel like you're good enough that you're going to be able to overcome all our limitations like literally like why would you drive the quarterback and not build around them? Why would you not try to improve the offensive line? Why would you not try to improve the wide receiving core? It seems like, you know, the Jets never really took the measures that they're doing right now to build around Zach Wilson like they did for Sam Darnold. So for Zach Wilson, man, like it's pretty much going to be a really big season for him because if Zach Wilson ends up, you know, disappointing, 
could the Jets potentially look to test the quarterback market? Could they potentially look to upgrade that quarterback? Could they potentially bail on Zach Wilson? Because the way these quarterbacks continue to come out of the draft and whatnot, like teams are always looking for the next best thing, the next bigger thing. They're always looking for the next upgrade, which means that, you know, a lot of teams don't have a lot of patience when it comes to developing quarterbacks. You know, the NFL is a lot different now in, you know, the year 2022 than what it was back in 2007 when you used to drive your rookie quarterback, you used to give him four to five years to show you that he was the dude unless he was Jamarcus Russell bad and you had to get him up out of there in two, three years. But, you know, for Zach Wilson, like, I'm really excited to see what he does this season. And I think that he could end up taking that next step in his development. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of thinking about picking him up in a couple of fantasy football leagues. But if you're somebody who has not been paying attention to what the Jets have done this offseason – you need to look at their offseason moves and you need to look at their roster because their roster is young. There are a lot of young, talented players with a lot of upside. And of course, not everybody's going to end up hitting that upside. Of course, you're going to have some players who end up not panning out. But if the New York Jets are able to hit on at least half of their draft picks that they've had over their last two seasons that they've used, this football team is going to surprise a lot of people in the next couple of years with how good they're going to be. And they might be able to surprise you this season. But you guys let me know how you guys feel about the New York Jets. How you guys feel their offseason has been. Do you guys feel like the Jets have had the best offseason out of any other team in the league? Let me know what you guys think. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. If you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel, like the video. Also, make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast. Every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. I appreciate you guys for tuning in, and I will see you guys next time with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.